Well, that'll just make you smile right there, won't it? Let's give Carrie another round of applause. What a joy you are. Fantastic. You know, this is just amazing. Just take a look around. What a fantastic opportunity we have to be together. This is amazing. I love being a woman. How about you? You know, it, this is our girlfriend's getaway this weekend, right here. This is what we have going on. It's uh, beautiful for me to be in Ventura Beach, to look up and see the palm trees instead of the evergreens covered with snow. I've got palm trees with, you know, nice warm. And uh, I just want to thank you for having me. Uh, it's really special for me to be here. And especially want to thank Renee and Cheryl for inviting me. Um, you know, you have a great women's ministry that you're part of in this church. Things like this don't just happen, you know. And I really um, know that you love your leaders here, that the women that serve you in your women's ministry here. There are so many more beyond Renee and Cheryl, I know. Um, for me, it's a treat to be with Erlyn, my Filipina sister. And uh, to see people like Rebecca Tang, um, wherever you are, Rebecca, I love you. Um, it's, it's old friends and new friends. But let's give a round of applause and really lift up your ministry leaders, your women's ministry leaders. They're just so special. And uh, thank you for all the ways you serve. Um, amazing. Just in case y'all can't tell, from my strong accent and my sweet smile... I'm a Southern Belle. And in the South, we have a phrase that we use often. And um, actually, this phrase, it's, it's called, bless your heart. Right? Bless your heart. And it's, uh, it's part of our language and our culture in the South. Right? And it's sort of like aloha in Hawaiian. It has multiple meanings depending on, you know, like how you use it. And um, there are two primary reasons, though. And the first one is to soften a blow. You know, in the South, we have to be polite. Rudeness is frowned upon, right? That Southern hospitality thing, like, that's a real thing. We're serious about that. But, you know, when the occasional critical or cruel comment just has to come out of your mouth, you add a bless your heart to soften the blow, okay? So it kind of goes something like this, okay? That baby has a face only a mother could love. Bless his little heart. Bless her heart. With a backside that big, she should not be wearing those stretchy pants. You see, if the heart is, like, sufficiently blessed, then it's, it's really not that rude, right? That's uh, one meaning of bless your heart. But then there's a second bless your heart that we love to hear, right? We love to hear it. And what it really is is it's this expression of love, and compassion, and empathy, and, and preciousness all rolled up into one, right? And so if I see my best friend, and we bump into each other for coffee, and she says, 
oh, Barry, it's been a hard day. I lost my job, the dog died, and then my cell phone fell in the toilet. I'm going to say, oh, bless your heart. Oh, bless your heart. It's like, a, it's like an expression of love. It's a verbal hug. Bless your heart. That second kind of bless your heart, that's why we've come here this weekend. Your heart is going to be blessed. You're going to leave here with your heart blessed by Jesus. Doesn't that sound good? Don't we need that? I like that. And I love our theme, priceless. What a great theme, guys. You know, what is really priceless to you? You know, think about that. What is priceless to you? I have a definition for you of priceless. Having a value beyond any price of inestimable worth invaluable. That's, you know, Webster's definition of priceless. This is um, part of what's priceless in my life. Oh, I know. That's my husband, my two daughters. And, um, you know, they're part of what's priceless. Things don't really matter in the end, do they? It's, it's the people that are in our lives. And, you know, I thought about, remember that advertising campaign from MasterCard, right? They still use it. Um, that priceless, and, and, and I thought, if I were to do that, some marketing campaign for this picture, this is how it would go, you ready? Green jacket, TJ Maxx, $20. Vision photography, Groupon, $50. My family, blessing from God, priceless right? That, that's, that's what's really priceless for me. And, you know, as I was preparing the lesson, I looked in the Bible. I'm like, okay, where's the word priceless in the Bible? It occurs one time, just one time in this whole entire Bible. And actually, we see it. David wrote about pricelessness in Psalm 36. Psalm 36. It says, your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains, your justice like the great deep. O Lord, you preserve both man and beast. How priceless is your unfailing love. Both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. How priceless is God's unfailing love in our lives. That's what's priceless, ladies. Our relationship with God, a true relationship with God is priceless. And that's what we're going to really un unfold this weekend, talking about that, our relationship with God. We're going to start today, and um, our theme is Priceless Promises for today, our, our lesson, this first lesson, Priceless Promises, and uh, we, there's just a great passage there in 2 Peter chapter 1, and um, we'll read this, 2 Peter 1, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. 
Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. You know, God gives us his very great and precious promises. He communicates his unfailing love to us by giving us promises. Don't we do that? You know, people that we're in love with, our children, our spouse, we make promises, our best friends. But God does not do the pinky pinky swear promises, right? How about the cross your heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye promises? These are very great and precious promises. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. You know, when, you, when scholars like are asked the question, how many promises are in the Bible? They, they really debate that. But here the scripture says, it doesn't matter how many promises there are. They're all yes in Christ Jesus. Jesus is God's greatest promise to us. It's Jesus. And this weekend we're going to look at two women who were friends of Jesus, two women that actually had the Son of God, Jesus, the greatest promise of all, give them personal promises for their lives. We're going to meet them and we're going to learn from them in Luke 10. So if you have a Bible, turn over to Luke 10 and we're going to read this together. Luke 10. Martha and Mary, that's where we're headed. Martha and Mary, they were sisters, right? These uh, two sisters had a really priceless relationship with Jesus. And, um, you know, you got to love these sisters. They're very different, right? And yet, they're alike in the most important thing in life, is that they both had that priceless relationship with Jesus. Let's read Luke chapter 10. We'll start in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, they came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha. Jesus answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Great story, huh? Can't you just see it? Don't you get this story? It's so clear. It's just so relatable. I am Martha in this story. Do we have any other Marthas in the crowd? Okay. You know, when you're trying to think, who am I more like? For me, it's just so obvious. Indeed, there are days when my husband, all he has to say is, Barry, Barry. That's all I need. I got it. I got it, honey. Okay, amen. I I hear you. You're right. You know, um, it's just so relatable. And, but I really want us in this story today, I just have one thought for you to focus on. Here it is. 
the priceless priority. The priceless priority. You know, one sister prepared, one sister pursued. One sister opened her home, one sister opened her heart. One sister chose the wrong priorities, and the other sister chose the priority. One sister was corrected, and one sister was commended. Martha takes on this task, and you got to appreciate Martha. I mean, she's feeding 13 hungry men, okay? At least, actually, there could have been more traveling with Jesus at that time, but at least 13 hungry men. And she's the original Martha Stewart of Bethany. I mean, she has got it all together. She is prepared to have all of these men in her home, and she's working it, and it's going to be the most amazing dinner for Jesus is eating at her table, right? But soon she gets distracted. The Bible says she gets worried. The Bible says she gets upset, and especially once she sees her little sister hanging out in the living room. And I just imagine, like, kind of, you know, I just kind of put myself there. What would I have done? You know, I, I'm the Martha. What, what would that look like? And, you know, you can just see, she's, she starts off, she's clearing her throat a lot. <clears throat> <clears throat> and then Mary doesn't even look at her, doesn't look up, doesn't respond. She's like, got to do something else. I'm just going to clang this spoon on this pot really loud. And then surely she'll look up and go, oh, Martha must need my help in the kitchen. So she clang in the pots, and Mary still, no response. So then she walks through the living room, you know, where Jesus is seated, and Mary's seated, and she walks through, and she gives the hairy eyeball. You know the hairy eyeball? Here it is. You know, or maybe it's like this. It's that hairy eyeball thing. Mary doesn't respond to that. Well, then that's it. None of that works. She just takes her case straight to Jesus. And she starts out really good, right? Lord. That was, it was all downhill from there. <laughs> she called Jesus Lord. That's a first step. Good one, good one. But then she says, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. So she asked love incarnate, God on earth. The Son of God, don't you care? And do you hear it? Like, she's not asking, now, Jesus, do you care for me? She's making a statement. You, don't, you are not caring for me right now, Jesus. Then she throws her sister under the bus. She's like, you know, she left me by myself, and I just can't believe it, you know? And then she bosses the Son of God. Tell her to help me. I mean, she's like demanding, commanding. Miss Bossy has come out. And surely Jesus' response surprised her, right? I bet she just thought Jesus was going to go, Mary, up in the kitchen. Brothers, let's go. We're not doing enough to help Martha. I know that's what she expected, right? Can't you picture it? Jesus' response, I mean, is amazing. Jesus is awesome, you know, he could have said, Martha, sit down, right? He could have done that. 
You know, he could have, he could have said, okay, yeah, let's get up and help. You know, but instead he gently corrected Martha and he commended Mary for her priceless choice. That must have just shocked Martha so much. You know, Mary's pursuit of Jesus was more valuable to him than all the preparations Martha was making. And Jesus tells Martha only one thing is needed, that Mary had chosen what was better. And you go, well, what's the one thing, right? Well, Mary was doing it, so we see right there in the Bible what the priceless priority is. The one thing. It's to sit and listen and learn from Jesus. To sit at his feet. That's the priceless priority. Martha didn't need more help in the kitchen. She needed more Jesus in her life. Right? Jesus says, Mary made a choice. And I love that. Because it shows us that Mary had a lot on her plate too. But she made a decision. There was a choice to prioritize Jesus in her life. And you know, I love this. Here's the promise that, that Jesus makes to her. It will not be taken away from her. When you sit and you listen to Jesus and you learn from Jesus, it is not taken away from you. There are a lot of things taken away from us, aren't there? If you've lived any bit of life on this planet, you have had things taken away from you, but not this. When we spend time with Jesus, it will not be taken away from us. You know, it, it's just so relatable, the whole thing. And, and I want to start, as we kind of unpack this to our lives, by commending each and every one of you sitting in this room. You chose to be at this retreat right? You made it a priority to get the babysitting, to get your outfits, I don't know, you know, get your registration. You chose to make this a priority in your life, and that is so commendable. I just, I just appreciate you being here. It, it's special, and it's, I mean, we filled this room. It's amazing. But come Monday, maybe even Sunday night when you get home, our lives are going to be filled with preparations, right, that have to be made, just like Martha's, and distractions and worries. And, you know, we have homes. We have hormones. Some of us have husbands. We have children, some of us, right? We have careers. We have carpools. I mean, we've got families and friends and finances, and all of these things, whether you're single, married, a mama of a baby, or an empty nester, it doesn't matter. All of us have these things in our life, right? And, you know, they aren't bad. They're just the reality. It's the reality. And then Jesus is going to come knocking at your door. Will he be guest or Lord? You know, that Mary in us wants to stop and connect with Jesus and sit at his feet and worship and listen and learn. And the Mary just comes on in and bosses us around. 
that Mary in us, right? We've got, we've got a Martha, a Martha in us, actually, that comes and bosses us around. You know, um, Thomas Merton, he was asked what was the, the most, uh, the scariest spiritual disease of our time, and this is what he said. Our problem is not so much badness as it is busyness. You know, are you like Mary or Martha? I love that things to do list. You know, I have like color coded things to do list. I'm like really into my things to do list. But what's my priority? Do we just get so busy that we're not living our priorities? How about you? What is your priority in your life? Would you say Jesus is number one? Would he say that? Or do we chase things and choose things that really won't matter one year from now? What's really going to matter in your life one year from now, five years from, 10, 25, 50, eternity? What will matter in your life? Are you choosing the things that will matter? You know, we all have a choice, right? September uh, 1983... Um, I was faced with a choice. Would Jesus be guest or Lord? Would I make him first in my life? I come from a strong uh, southern family background. And there was a lot of love in my family, so much love and a little bit of dysfunction, right? Um, And I suffered in, in the family. My dysfunction was what I call the good girl syndrome. Can any of you relate? In Louisiana, we have Mardi Gras, and we, we put on masks and wear these fancy masks for Mardi Gras. And um, I put on the good girl mask in my family dynamic. And I played that role very well in my family, and it just spread out to every area of my life. I grew up trying to please everyone. My mom and dad, I wanted to be their favorite. My brother and sister, I wanted to be their favorite sibling teachers, friends. I just grew up just seeking approval, and I was constantly consumed with this. Does she like me? Did I say the right thing? I hope I didn't do the wrong thing. Do they love me? I can't tell. I was just consumed with that desire for approval, addicted to it. So I was the good girl, so I didn't drink, and I didn't do drugs, and I didn't have sex, and you know, I did all the things you're supposed to do because that's that was who I was. And I just thought I had it all together. I was who's who. I was straight A. I was indeed everybody's favorite in the family. And, you know, I worked hard at that. You know, so spiritually, I had so much pride because especially I was a good Christian girl. And I grew up in a large denomination um, and it, in, in, in the church, and there were a lot of traditions. And one of the things that we did is confess our sins. And I can remember being in line to go and confess my sin. And I was so spiritually arrogant that I could not think of one sin to confess. 
not even one. And the line is getting shorter and it's going to be my turn. And I'm starting to panic because I'm going to, I got to go and confess my sin and I don't have one to confess. And so I asked the guy behind, the, the guy behind me and the girl in front of me, what are you going to say? And and they each had something, you know, and they confessed their sin to me. And, and I'm like, no, that's not a good one for me. I, I, I've never done that one either. That's not good. And I got in the time of confession and I told a lie. You just go, what? Yes, I lied confessing my sin because I couldn't think of a sin that I committed. Now, you're laughing. I mean, do you see what I'm talking? You get me now, don't you? You're like, whoa. Yeah, I can't tell you how prideful I was. I flattered myself that I was a churchgoer, and I was in Young Life and Youth for Christ, and I prayed, and I read my Bible every day. I was 110% sure I was saved, 110%. And I would come to an event like this. I loved events like this. And I would come, and I'd sit there, and I'd go, this is so nice for all of those people that really need Jesus. Later, I would come to realize that I was very religious, but I had no real relationship with Jesus. He was like a spiritual butler that would be around when I needed him, but not my Lord. My religious mask, it was on tight. At 18, I headed off for LSU, Louisiana State University, and I had my suitcase full of masks of every variety to make sure I would be approved. By the grace of God, my resident advisor on my floor was Poppy Wascom. And Poppy was a true Christian. And Poppy introduced me to Lynn Beatty and they studied the Bible with me. And I am so thankful that they could see behind my mask. I am so thankful for that. We studied scriptures about sin and what the Bible says about sin and what the Bible says about the cross. And I began to realize the depth of my sin and how much I needed the grace of God in my life and how much I was not a good girl. And I took that mask off. But the religious mask was on really tight. You know, we studied scriptures in the Bible about what the Bible says about salvation. What does the Bible say about how to become a Christian? And I was shocked and hurt and through tears. I said, are you telling me that you don't think I am a Christian? That's what I said. I mean, it was shocking. I'm like, I'm everybody's favorite spiritual person. And, you're, and that's what I said. I said, are you saying that you don't think I am a, a Christian? And I'll never forget the look of love in Lynn's eyes. She just tapped her Bible like this. She just tapped her Bible. And she said, it doesn't matter what I think, does it, Barry? 
even in studying the Bible, I was wanting the approval of people rather than God. I got so mad. I was like, I cannot believe they don't think I'm a Christian. I think they're a Christian, and they don't think I'm a Christian. I do not want to study the Bible with you anymore. Within 24 hours, I had my party girl mask on. I was rushing a sorority, and I was surrounded by all the girls going through rush, and we were talking about the great party and the super hot guys, and I had my party girl mask on. And before I could put my religious girl mask on, one of the Christians rounded the corner and came in to me discussing all the things about everything that was clearly not Christian. I was so busted. And that event led to the prying off of my religious mask. I got open about my heart, about who I really was on the inside. You know, I started looking for the approval of God rather than people. I repented of my sins. I took every mask off. And I made Jesus the number one priority in my life. Instead of a spiritual butler, he became Lord of my life. And I was baptized September 29th of 1983. It's amazing. You know, that choice to make Jesus Lord, to make Jesus my first priority, it began with a choice to study the Bible. And I just want to ask you, Personally, I'm, I'm asking you, have you ever studied the Bible as an adult? I'm not talking about English literature, but personally, have you ever studied the Bible? I needed help. I, I, I don't know about you, but I needed someone to help me understand what it was saying and how it fit in my life. This church has a fantastic Bible study series. It's just designed wherever you are in your spiritual walk, whether you don't know anything about God or if, like me, you feel like, no, I think I, I, think I got it down. Wherever you are, it's just designed to help you grow in your walk with God, to help you know Jesus better and, and get to know the Bible better. You know, I want to encourage you, Choose to study the Bible. You could even get started at this retreat. Choose to study the Bible. Some of us have done that, and we're Christians, and we read the Bible. How about it? Are you still reading the Bible daily? What role is the Bible have in your life? You know, I think even as Christians, we can do our Martha works, can't we? We can get busy doing all the right things and serving Jesus so much that we're not really still sitting and listening to him. Mary sat at his feet and he listened to what he said. She listened to him. I want to ask you, Christians, have you read the whole Bible? The whole thing. You know, some of us, we're basing our entire life on a book that's this big, and we haven't read it all. Have you read the whole thing? Now, you know if you've read the whole thing, because you get a Leviticus, and you're just like, oh, am I going to read this whole thing or not? <laughs> Sisters, I want to challenge you. Read your Bible. 
We're basing our life on this thing. We need to have, be able to say we've read it all. Amen? You with me? All right. We're going to read that Bible. I want to share about my scripture book. This, um, I brought show and tell today. Here it is. It's a, it's a little bit of a velveteen rabbit. Um, need to get it rebound. Yes. It's, it's loved. It's been well loved. Um, it's a journal. And one year when I read through the Bible in a year, I took my favorite verse from each day's reading and I wrote it in my journal. And so that by the time I finished that process, I had a journal of all my personal favorite scriptures in the Bible. And next to the Bible, the, the book that's helped me the most is my favorite scripture book. When I'm down, when I'm struggling, when I just feel that disconnect, dullness in my relationship with God, when I want to pray with a sister, I grab my scripture book. When I'm preparing a lesson, I grab my scripture book. These are powerful scriptures that speak to me. And next to the Bible, this has helped me continue to make Jesus the Lord of my life and number one priority in my life, my scripture book. Consider doing that. You know, that you could have a journal with all of your personal favorite scriptures would be really powerful for you, I believe. Practically, I want to give you some practicals. Um, we got any singles in the house? You know, I want to encourage you to, uh, you know, if you could do this once a week, I think it would really encourage you. Grab a friend and go to a special place and have some moments of listening to Jesus, praying together, reading the Bible together, sharing your walk with God together at that most intimate level can really encourage you. Okay, do we have any um, moms out there? Moms? Okay. Moms, it's a little nugget. Take it or leave it. Here's a little nugget, as Erlen prayed, from, from me. Really, if you don't wake up before the kids do, you're probably not going to be able to hear Jesus over the din, right? You know, just even if you set your alarm 30 minutes before the, the earliest riser in your home, you could have that uninterrupted special time to sit with Jesus and listen. You know, we just get between, I know for me, you know, balancing my husband's needs, my kids' needs, my career, my friends and family, it just felt like if I didn't spend time with God early before the first one woke up, it just, you know, you're laying in bed going, I love you, Jesus, night. You know, I mean, just, it's just tiring. I want to talk about special places, special times, and special things. Special places. Do you have a special place to connect? You know, um, where do you connect with God? I love going outside, right? That's my ideal. And I have some prayer spots around Denver that I can just go and be with Jesus and sit at his feet. But I also have to have a special place 
in my house because I can't go out every, every day, right? And I just, uh, just this year, I bought a new lamp because, you know, I needed to spruce up my special place. I, I, my eyes are getting tired. And, you know, I needed more light at, in my quiet time chair. And it, I just got so excited about, like, getting my new lamp from a quiet time place, you know. Um, really choose, identify, that's going to be my special place to sit and listen to Jesus. Special time. You know, I think for all of us, children or not, we've got to identify where is that sweet spot of time for me? Where do I really connect? For some, I'm a morning person. For some of you, you're going to be like, oh, Barry, please don't say I got to pray in the morning. I, it will be, you know, snoring. That's what Jesus is going to hear, you know. Figure out your special time and then special things, you know. I just love my cup of coffee with my Bible, you know, and I just get my, a new journal can get me fired up. I mean, a pen, I mean, anything, a new version of the Bible. We've got to keep it fresh. Are you with me right there? I want to give you an action item. Action item. Sit at Jesus' feet today. Sit at Jesus' feet today. You know, I want to encourage you to find a time that you can sit and listen to Jesus as Mary did today. It's funny, but we can come to a retreat and just not even do that because we're just so excited to see our friend, you know, or we're rushing and running and, and like Martha, we've got a lot to do. This is why you've come here. You've come to retreat with Jesus Carve out the time today, before midnight tonight, to have a special time to sit at Jesus' feet. If you do that, there's a promise that goes with that, a priceless promise. Here it is. It will not be taken away from her. Amen? Amen. It's a priceless promise. For those who make Jesus their priceless priority, Ladies, let's choose to imitate Mary today. Let's prioritize God's priceless, unfailing love for us. Amen.